Hi there, my name is Daria, and I'm the CEO and one of the co-founders of Bunch. And today is the first episode of the podcast called Teams at Work, uh, a podcast for progressive leaders and teams, and I'm super excited to be here today with you. We're focusing on topics around the new work, leadership, teams, and how to build great cultures. At Bunch, our mission is to enable every team to be the best they can be. And in this podcast, we will be shedding light on all best practices, tips, tricks, lessons learned from leaders, but also teams that have created amazing outstanding cultures and experiences at work and at the same time have pushed through the boundaries of what's possible in terms of performance. So I'm really, really excited to be kicking this off today with you. We run um, on top of Slack. So we built Slack-based software. It provides, um, on the one hand, insights, on the other hand, recommendations on how to work better together. And over the past years, we've been working with over 1,000 founder and leadership teams, helping them to build cohesive and strong cultures. And I'm super excited to um, be running this episode because today here with me um, is Mark Frayne, who until just very recently has led the people function at Envision as the chief people officer. For those of you that didn't know that yet, Envision actually is a fully remote company. So it's one of the biggest organizations in the world that is fully distributed with around 850 employees. And Mark just recently joined us at Bunch as COO. And today we want to shed light on what progressive leadership means in 2019 together. So welcome, Mark. Oh, thank you, Daria. It's great to be with you. And just in the, in the spirit of distributed teams, um, tell us a little bit more about where you're based right now and what time is it there? <laughs> well, right now I am in my home office in Austin, Texas, and it is 8.18 in the morning on a lovely Saturday morning here in Austin. Fortunately, the weather is morning weather. to you. Then. Well, thank you. And I have my coffee, so I'm all ready for this. That's awesome. Yes, I'm in Berlin, as you know, and it's 3.18 over here. So we're a little bit more into the day, but nevertheless, very excited to be kicking this off with you. Um, you have quite a leadership intensive career, I would say, Mark. So you started actually not in the leadership area, but then moved very, very fast into actually running a consultancy for leadership development. Um, is that right? That's correct. For a while, I was even at a university doing leadership work, creating programs for managers from a wide range of companies. And then for about seven years, I and a team of, uh, of folks built a consulting company squarely aimed at developing uh, leaders across companies, Canadian, U.S. and Central and South American companies. That's amazing. And you did, however also then move into the tech world, right? So right. you then you went you then started working with a company that's called Return Path, which funny enough, um, I actually knew before I met you, since I have read the book of the CEO, the startup CEO, um, and it was really, really helpful. So tell me a little bit more about the time at Return Path and the work you've done there. Sure. So you you read Matt's book, Matt Blumberg, who is uh was a CEO I worked for for about three years as his chief performance officer, which was a little bit of a hybrid job. It had all of HR and people and then a few other things thrown in. Um, working for Matt was a great experience. I had been running my own company. My, my company, the Refinery Leadership Partners, was about, about 70 people at its largest. And mm -hmm. he, uh, he was a client of mine. So I had known him for a number of years doing work with their leaders when he asked me to come and join him. And I was, 
I was really interested in, in going inside a company because most of my experience prior to that had been uh, consulting, had been being outside looking in. So yeah, yeah. it was a lot of fun to go in and, and spend time with him um, during that duration of my career, just figuring out how to continue to build a great culture. Return Path, as you may know, won uh, many awards as being a, a best place to work over its, over its long storied history. Yeah, definitely. I mean, again, um, many of the things that I think we practice a bunch, but also I have recommended many other leaders of those teams that I've worked with were actually grounded in the experiments you've run at Return Path and mm -hmm. that Matt then described in the book. And when you joined Envision, uh, you've also focused not only, of course, but also to a, to a large extent uh, to work with the leadership team. Tell me a little bit more about that. And how was that different being in a distributed environment? So how was it different to work with the team around Clark versus with the team at uh, Return Path? So one of the things that I think defines working in a distributed company or an all distributed company is just the importance of good communication. So with my senior team and the senior team at Envision in general, one of the things we emphasized um, throughout the complete you know, employee or team member journey was the importance of really ensuring everybody understood where they stand and what's important to know. So for example, we, we spent a lot of time designing uh, a very immersive onboarding program at Envision, um, something that's actually been written up a little bit um, and, mm -hmm. and is on the web. Just because we have we have to get, we don't have that many chances to get it right. If a person mm -hmm. starts and they they don't see their manager face-to-face -face for you know three months, maybe even six months, the time, it takes to get them really grounded in their role and having a, and feeling connected to mm -hmm. a great big virtual organization. You just don't have that many chances to get it right. So you have to spend so much more time and energy ensuring that you communicate effectively. Uh, so a lot of a lot of the work that I that I did or a lot of the focus that I had when I was at Envision was how to build um, really good communication between team members, between the senior leadership in the organization, and all that kind of stuff. Interesting. A follow-up question that I immediately had when listening to you was, do you think communication is now more important for leaders than it used to be? Or did, did that change or was it always a big deal? Well, I think it's, I think when you think about what's, you know, what is the work of a manager? You know, what is the work of a leader? The work of a manager or leader is almost entirely based on communication. And what I mean by that is, you know, we, we, um, a software engineer sits down and their work is, is coding. We know what that looks like. Um, a designer sits down and works in you know, a product like Envision and and just, it basically takes and moves things and um, creates images and presents things in a certain way very artistically. We know what that works looks like. Um, we know what sales work looks like, but but manager's work is really all about um, the words she said you know she says, the things that they type, the mm -hmm. the words that they use to get people, um, oriented and aligned around things. And I think that we haven't really spent time enough understanding that that's the focus of work when it comes to being a manager. And what I think has changed is our our organizations these days and the technology we use to glue them together. So when mm -hmm. we think about distributed organizations, the, the words that we use became even more important. Uh, I can't just casually walk up and walk, walk out of my office or walk down a row of desks and pop my head in and say, hey, how's it going? I, I can't see people. So mm -hmm. I have to listen a lot better. Um, and then what I, ha what I say in response to what I'm hearing has to be much more intentional. 
So even though I would say the the work of managers has been the same for you know, centuries, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe millennia, you know, as long as people have been being led, there's been people who have been, you know, trying to align them and tell them what to do. Um, but what's more important now is that we're we're working in these interesting new ways. We're working over video. We're working over Slack and Microsoft Teams. We're working in a very text-based environment. In some cases, we don't see the people we're working with for weeks or months. So our ability to listen deeply and then respond through the listening, I think, is much more important than it used to be. Super interesting. You've mentioned two terms that we often use interchangeably, manager and leader. Mm -hmm. Do you want to share with me what your take is on how do you define leadership as where you stand today with everything you know about it? And how does that differ from management? Yeah, that's a great question. There's There's been a lot of stuff written about about this. And I, I think it's pretty simple. I, when we talk about leadership, we're almost always talking about something we value. So it's it's hard to imagine using the concept or the word leadership and not thinking about it as something that is aspirational. We, we aspire to be a leader. Um, there's almost an implied value framework in it. You know, mm -hmm. you know a, a leader is someone who is, who is leading well, um, whereas a manager is a position. Um, you can be a manager and an awful leader. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It, it's harder to understand how, how one would be a leader and a terrible manager. You know, so the way I like to think about them is, you know, manager is your role, but you aspire to be a great leader. And yeah. what's the difference between a manager and a leader is the difference between being serving a function and, and being great for your followers. Yeah. Looking back over the past, let's say, 10 or so years uh, in your career and working with different leaders, what do you think changed over the, the past decade? So what changed in terms of what does it mean to be a great leader today versus 10 years ago? Hmm. Well, a, a lot probably hasn't changed. So mm -hmm. I'll, I'll answer that part first and what I mean by that. Um, there's been people writing about leadership for a long time. So one of, one of the books that I actually really like is a book by um, the philosopher soldier Xenophon. So mm -hmm. those of you, I mean, so those who are listening who have a little bit of classics history probably know who I'm talking about. But for, for the rest of us, Xenophon was this interesting guy who was a student of Socrates, but he was also a mercenary soldier. And he led a very famous group of Greek mercenaries called the 10,000 um, mm -hmm. in, in battles in Asia Minor and other places. And he wrote this book about, the, about Cyrus the Great um, from his actual encounters with, um, with Persian, the Persian soldiers. And in that, in that book, there's a lot of stuff about being a leader that's, that's still really relevant today. And, and Peter Drucker uh, famously said, the best book that's ever been written on leadership is still this book, Cyrus the Great by Xenophon. Mm. I, I, I don't know if that's true. I mean, obviously, Xenophon was celebrating you know, oligarchy <laughs> and autocracy. He wasn't exactly a strong uh, Democrat, even though he was a, you know, an Athenian. But, um, mm. but you know, people have been thinking about leadership for a long time. And I think a lot of the things that are that make a leader great have always been the same. Um, you know, so for example, um, paying attention to people, um, being fair, um, being, being a good communicator. It's hard to imagine these things ever changing in terms of what makes a leader great, in part because I believe that what defines a great leader is their ethical um, sensibilities. Mm -hmm. you know, so if, if, I'm, if I'm fair and consistently fair 
with the people mm -hmm. who are being led by me. Um, that's a that's a practice of my ethics of my morals. Um, mm -hmm. What's I think different? So back to the question you asked. What's so a lot of a lot of stuff is probably the same and will always be. And there's going to be no breakthrough research that shows like this is the recipe for great leadership forever. Um, but I think what has definitely changed now is the pace of work and the pace of change, especially in the technology sector, are such that you know you don't get you don't get years to establish followership. Um, you get months or weeks sometimes. And yeah, what, yeah. you know, when we think about the average tenure in, in Silicon Valley companies, and it's it's like a year, like a year, yeah. you know, a year and two months or something like that. The last time I looked. So how do you how do you deploy? How do you basically bring in members to your team, orient them to their work, deploy them in interesting ways, help mm -hmm. them grow as individuals and professionals, and then you know celebrate their continuing journey in their career, all in under a year? Like that that is a, a tall order. Um, for leaders today. And I think that is definitely something that is different. Uh, it, what I think it comes back to is what I said earlier, is it takes this great, a, a great sense of empathy, um, mm -hmm. the ability to connect with people quickly, the ability to, to see what people really need to see and hear them effectively and to help them on their way. Um, and that's, it's almost like the time compression has made it so much more challenging. Mm -hmm. If we used to have a year, two years, three years to really establish rapport with the people we're leading, now we have months. So it just, it, it accelerates the importance of it. That's so interesting. Also, given the fact, so you mentioned it's new leaders have much less time to actually be effective and, and create impact in organizations. At the same time, we have a whole new organiz uh, generation actually entering organizations, right? Um, what used to be kind of this uh, big group uh, of people that we were all, um, Uh, looking up to, but also being afraid of that they will change work forever. The millennials are literally in management positions now. Um, mm -hmm. And one of the interesting changes that I think this generation brought um, from what I've observed so far is that um, we learn differently now. So, and by we, I mean that millennial organization um, generation is, is learns very, very differently. So having run that consultancy in the past and knowing that this is how we used to learn what's important um, in order to be a good leader. Um, what's your take on what have you seen has worked in tech organizations with new age leaders or the new generation of leaders in terms of leadership development? How do they actually learn the things they need to know in order to be effective? Mm. When I was running the consulting company that I ran, I had a lot of millennials working with me and for me, partly because I, one of my strategies for talent was I would go and I would hire uh, students who I had when I was, I was moonlighting as a professor at one of the universities. And so every year I would be teaching hundreds of students and I usually would go and cherry pick the best students mm -hmm. <laughs> from, from, from the people. And so I had, I had a, we had a, we had a very um, young, we had, we had kind of a, a bifurcated group of people at, at the consulting company. We had people who were Gen X like me, in some cases, even a little older. And then we had a lot of millennials. And what I found, I guess I was always skeptical of hard divisions between the generations because I didn't mm -hmm. see as much evidence for it. But what I did, what I did see, what I did see reflected in, um, in how they showed up. And I think this is still true is 
and maybe this is different than my generation or previous generations, but that it almost doesn't matter. But what I think is mm-hmm. true of millennial generation, the millennial workers today and millennial leaders is they want, they want to be able to understand how their job has meaning. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that's great because I think we should all, it's, it's remarkable that maybe at some point. It's, it's a good request, right? You know, it's, a it's, a, it's a complete, completely reasonable request, you know, and, yeah. and, I, and I guess, you know, if there's a curmudgeonly aspect to, to thinking back, you know, prior generations, like maybe people should have been asking for this before um, and maybe we'd be in a better situation in the world. <laughs> but, mm. but I, I kind of think, yeah, that's that's reasonable. One's One's job should have meaning. And that doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that every single thing you're doing every day is going to be um, is going to have deep, profound meaning. But I think that they have a reasonable request. I want to see how my role connects to something that's beyond myself, and um, that that ups the bar for leading them. You know, and and I think what they want to do as leaders is they want to figure out how they can how they can help change things um, in a positive way through the work that they're doing. And I, and I celebrate that. So what I tried to do, you know, sometimes maybe successfully, sometimes not, was always work to make sure that people understood the why. Now, this is what we're going to do, and this is why we're going to do it. I think some leaders tend to focus more on the what. You know, now we're going to do the following things. Here's your list. Here's your tasks. Now go. Um, that's important, especially if people don't know mm. what they're doing. But a lot of times leaders lead out the why, leave out the why. So, you know, here's the, here's the thing, list of things we're going to do over the next quarter. Um, all right, go. Well, but people can walk away being, and why, you know, why, why are we doing Why are we doing this? Yeah, well, how, yeah. Does, how does this help anything? What does this, what does this do for our customers? What does this do for our employees? And it's just so simple. I mean, it's, it's such an easy extra step, but leaders caught in the moment of, of just making work happen, just forget that you have to connect it to something that's meaningful for people. And it, it can be as simple as, you know, this, this has a profound impact on how our customers use our software. And mm-hmm. then ultimately that is going to have a profound impact on their customers. And, and you can always trace it to something that made a difference in somebody's life. And it just doesn't, it, it's not hard. It just takes that little bit of extra thinking and creativity. Interesting. Uh, so I think that's really, really good, specific, concrete advice almost. Um, and, and of course, we, we've known this for a while now, thanks to Simon's work, start with a why. But I think as a leader, um, and, and not only, and, and therefore my question earlier, not only as a manager of a team, but as a leader, so anyone who's actually stepping up in a situation, specifically for those to listen right now, um, if you're not having a designated team, that does not mean you're not a leader. You can lead in a situation, you can lead in a project, you can lead in a group of people where you're basically assembling um, a group that is moving towards a common goal. You can always step up and actually lead. So starting with a why seems to be um, as important as ever before. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark, what do you think beyond the kind of um, tying together the meaning with the what needs to be done? What are, what are other struggles that you have observed specifically recently and specifically in the tech world that leaders, um, yeah, struggle with? What are their challenges currently? Uh, well, communication, I think, continues to be tough. And the more we use, the more we're, the more our leadership and communication is mediated by technology, the tougher it is. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, when I, when I can't see my team um, and they can't see me, it is very easy for them to have an experience that creates a narrative that 
is based on things that you know either are my, not not my intention or not grounded in my in, in what I actually am trying to do. And, and what I mean by that is if I'm if if I like in, in a distributed company like I was like I was in recently, one of the challenges we'd have at Envision is is a person might have a one-on-one -on -one once a week with their manager, might be a, a half an hour, an hour, 45 minutes. If something didn't quite go right in that, you might not see the person again for a mm -hmm. week um, or even more. Like if you're in a team and the team has a meeting and maybe you don't see the team members or the leader for another two weeks and your interactions are through email, through Slack or another, another meeting technology like that, the one thing you can't do is you can't just sort of walk over and see them and mm. kind of read them like like you know because imagine imagine a, a meeting in a room we go into a work meeting we're all there maybe we end up in an argument um maybe people get passionate which is not a bad thing at all but there's always those edge times around the meeting whereby you know everybody comes Absolutely. in sits down, and they're like like you know Absolutely. how was how was your commute what did you do on the weekend you know everybody has their coffee and then everybody's the leaving human touch, right? <laughs> that's the right yeah, like, yeah. That's right. everybody's leaving and and so there's these these entrance and exit points to these times together at the workplace that allow for a little bit of more calibration. And then people get up and they leave and they're walking back to their kid and it's like, oh, you know, mm -hmm. now I'm, and, and we're just seeing each other and we're resonating and we're, we're processing together and we can we can feel that energy. But when I'm on a Zoom call with my team and, you know, we are we're in it and really thinking and then all of a sudden, boom, like out we go, click onto the next call. There mm -hmm. isn't that time to kind of make sure and, and just see that people are okay. And, and I've literally seen examples where people can kind of go off one thing that didn't really feel right. And weeks go by where in their, in their mind, they're having a story develop. Oh, I'm, I'm in mm. trouble. Um, I, I'm worried about my job. I'm like all these, all this stuff gets sometimes written much more big than it is in the minds of, of people remote. So it's, it goes back to how important really good communication, but also I would say really good listening is. So and I don't want people to hear communication and mean that I'm saying a good leader is someone who speaks really well. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. Communication is two ways. Like a, a, a great leader, I think in today's world with the technology pressures we have is a great listener, is somebody who can take the time and show people that they care to listen and listen and then process because then at least the person will always feel heard. And we, we will minimize these situations where people go away being, being frightened or anxious or worried based on some cues because they'll always feel that they have the time to kind of go back and check. So interesting. We, we've had the situation actually just recently in our team as well, where we had um, two people being in New York, the majority of the team was in Berlin and we had back-to-back -back meetings that were obviously all task focused and there was zero time to actually reconnect. And we've done this for, I think at that time for two weeks straight or so. And then there was this one meeting where we literally just jumped into chatting about our lives and like, it took us 30 minutes and then we felt really guilty about it because we felt, okay, we still need not to talk about that. We're not getting done. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> but then we also, also very humanly understood, okay, but we never have time. So let's just like talk about this for 20 okay. minutes because I don't even know what is going on over there with you. Um, so yeah, you're absolutely right. I think actually knowing how to time and how to create space for people to connect online is, um, 
just as important, if not more so important um, in, in a distributed environment. Um, you've already shared quite a good, I think, specific, concrete examples of uh, what a leader kind of needs to pay attention to. Um, my last question is um, quite specific or down to the nitty gritty. Um, what advice would you give beyond what you've already shared for someone who's just taking responsibility or maybe is considering taking responsibility Uh, wanting to do better for their team or the team they're working in. Which specific advice do you have? And and don't don't shy away from uh, sharing resources, blogs, books, anything that you find interesting in that regard. Sure. Um, so you know, the, the first thing I would advise, and I do, um, leaders who want to make themselves better leader is, you know, I ask them, like, how, you know, how's your practice of self-reflection? And, and, when, and they, if they kind of, They squint an eye at me and they don't even know what I'm meaning by that. That's mm. a good, it's a good indication <laughs> of the work to be done. It's what I mean by that is like, how's your practice of looking in the mirror and, and really spending deep time um, being curious about how you impact and show up for others. Mm. Um, if you think about it, I mean, think about it this way. And I, I have spent most, a lot of my career, partly because of where I started my journey and after my college years, I, I almost became a theater director. And so a lot of, a lot of the way, and I'm, and I'm a musician and I've performed live on stage and all that kind of stuff. And I think about leadership a lot like the performing arts. I think there's a lot of similarities. Mm -hmm. and, and the performing arts is not about ever faking anything. Um, great actors, great musicians, great dancers, um, great visual artists are all very authentic, even when they're doing a show for us. You know, so you know, even when someone's playing Darth Vader, like they're authentically playing Darth Vader, not faking it. Mm. You can't fake, you can't fake a great, a great scene. Right? So the, the, way, the way I think about, about leadership is it's, it's a, it's a performance art. And because it's a performance art, the, the only way to get better at it is to perform and then reflect and then perform and then reflect. And obviously great performance artists get a lot of feedback too. And the feedback is on their performances. And one of the things about, in some ways about leadership work that I don't think is all that helpful is when we, when we personalize it too much, like, I don't like the, I don't like the way you show up, you know, as a leader. It's like, mm. oh, my, oh my God. Like that's, I mean, understandably that's harsh and will prompt defensiveness, but it's, but mm. if, you, if you just change the way you're asking the question, it's like, Hey, you know, do you, how do you think that went um, when it, as, as a, as a, a, you know, when you addressed the team today? Like not like so you know, focusing on the behavior, not on the actual person. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And even and even more specifically, for focusing on the show, like focusing on the show at hand, like that that show, like that that particular instance of an all hands. How was that all hands? How did you? How did we do? How did you do? It's like oh well, you know that that went better than last time. Yeah, I think it did. Mm -hmm. You know what what do we what do we think the audience felt about it? Um, you know we have some good feedback, and we can, and and ultimately we have to be malleable as as leaders. We have to be able to resonate with the followers and what they need at any given time. Sometimes they're going to need to pick me up because they're despondent. Sometimes they're mm. going to need to be brought down a notch because they're a little bit too high on something and need to be kind of calibrated. It's not, Hey, we haven't won yet. <laughs> um, so you have to be very adaptable and you have to be very, um, you have to be able to play a lot of instruments and you have to be able to vary your range a little bit as a leader. And you're only going to get that way if you have a really good practice of, of self-reflection that's informed by, um, by reading the audience around you. Like, how, 
how did this go? How did this, you know, and, and over time, both with good feedback and trusted feedback, but also this mm -hmm. introspection, like watching yourself as you do things, um, that's the way you're going to improve. Um, so that's like, number one is like, how, 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 how willing and able are you to really understand and reflect on how you show up? And if you're not, if you don't, really know what that feels like and haven't spent a lot of time in that place like that's kind of step number one mm -hmm. to get to get good at just doing that because then you can have a lot of stuff open up for you um you know beyond that it's just rituals like i i do again um, performance artists are practice animals um they you know they chop wood you know do the scales um go to rehearsal mm -hmm. again again and again and again and so i like to think about leadership is being informed by good rituals. So one-on-ones don't, one of the things that would drive me nuts about leaders is if they cancel one-on-ones all the time. It's like, this is your chance to connect with somebody. Mm -hmm. If you if you schedule it, honor it because it shows that you're devoted to that practice. Um, every time you cancel it or reschedule it, it, it shows to your report on your team that, that they're not important. And even if you're like, well, I have another really important thing to do. It's like, well, yeah, but aren't I important? <laughs> so no matter what it is, try to observe rituals and keep your practices around how you want to lead consistent so that over time people can understand that you are, you know, it's your yoga practice of leadership. Like you're, you're, mm. you're, you're, you're making it a habit and people can understand that it is a habit and you'll get better because you're going to have a lot of swings. You're going to have a lot of times up at bat. But you also kind of get into the rhythm of like this is what a this is what my one-on-ones feel like this is what my team meetings feel like this is what prepping my team agenda feels like and so you know in addition to introspection and just learning how to do that well it's just it's a lot about practice and and making your practice as consistent as possible that's really really good advice and in fact actually one of our next topics on this podcast would be one-on-one so i can't wait to actually chat more about that in that episode. And I'm pretty sure our audience is interested in that too, because it's one of these rituals that everybody knows is important. Everyone does them, but it, there's still a lot of mysteries around how to do them right and how to actually really make them worthwhile so that both parties are excited and are, are not actually kind of dreading to do it, but <laughs> are, are really, really interested in taking a lot of value out of this. So um, I really, really personally can't wait to chat with you more about this. Um, And for everyone out there who's listening, um, we will be running these episodes regularly and we'll be focusing on different effective best practices around leadership and building teams um, in a progressive way. So check out our new upcoming episodes. If you have any questions or topics that you want to address that you would want to know about and that you would want us to ask our guests, um, then do not hesitate to reach out to us at hey at bunch.ai or just leave a comment below um, in the podcast. And I will be um, sharing the uh, book that Mark uh, mentioned earlier as a link um, below as well, so you can look that up. We're really excited to have you with us next week again. Thank you so much, Mark. It has been extremely insightful, and I'll hope to have you here again soon. That's that's what's called a teaser, Daria. You just did a teaser for podcast number two. <laughs> <Woo> <laughs> All right. No, it was, awesome. it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Great way to spend some, some time today. Awesome. Um, thank you, Mark. And I'm sure it hasn't been the last time. Do check in again very soon. And it was a pleasure having you and have a really great week, everyone. 
My name is Daria Kotnik, and if you're interested to learn more about team rituals that work for your team, that other successful companies are doing in order to create great cohesive cultures, do check out bunch.ai. This is also where you can find out more about what we're building and sign up for our newsletter and find out what our future episodes will be about. Looking forward to having you and talk to you next on the next episode.